Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. This episode is brought to you by Gilt. So when it comes to building wealth, taxes are such a big part of the strategy. And even if you're already filed, being proactive about this year to lower your future liability is so important. Gelt actually provides a proactive approach to tax strategy, combining innovative technology and expert CPAs. By creating personalized tax strategies for your unique financial needs of multiple revenue streams, M&As, restricted stocks, various investments, and more, you can keep your hard-earned money. Our Their proprietary platform ultimately gives you the full transparency of your tax management and direct communication with your CPA to reach your financial goals and grow for your wealth faster. So again, you know, if you're interested on this, go to joingelt.com. Uh, and they are actually on the show notes that I'm going to be posting a very special offer for you all that you can actually enjoy. So again, you know, join guilt.com. All righty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have a very exciting founder, you know, a founder that, uh, you know, has been combining music software for a long time, and now he's uh, riding, you know, a rocket ship with his company. We're going to be talking about raising money, you know, building things. I think that you're going to really enjoy this one. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Bob Van Luij. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Great to be here. So, originally born in the Netherlands. So, how was life growing up there? Give us a walk through memory lane. So, growing up in the Netherlands. So, I I grew up in the in the south uh, uh, of the Netherlands, and then we we moved to the uh, to the to the to the to the middle of the Netherlands to to Flevoland. And I think so. Um, Growing up there, um, it was like it was very easy going, right? So it's like it was like not a lot was happening. So I was early on very much uh, attracted to what was happening in the uh, 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 in the city, and so in my case, that is of course that's Amsterdam. Um, what's what's interesting though was that there was a lot of room. There was a lot of things that were happening, like you know, in in you know when I was growing up, like in the nineties, like from the perspective of like culture technology and those kind of things and so i learned very early on and i was like in a situation where i you know could explore those things i was very interested in making stuff you know the creative stuff of everything that had to do with making and the tools that turned out that i was like you know you're good at, at using was um, uh, software technology and um uh, and music i was very into music so uh, that's like that was how it was to grow up so it was you know it was nice it was fun and how did you get into software so I got into software. I still remember, and this is uh, this is almost like a cliche story, but it's really true. I remember my dad. This is just before the internet era, but I was so I was really young. My dad brought home from his work an IBM computer, and the IBM computer had um, a, a piece of software called QBasic. And um, uh, in the library, because back then we still went to the library. I never was able to find the title of the book, but it's like a little orange book and it was called, it was in Dutch, but it was like, the title was something like, you know, a programming in QBasic for, you know, for kids or for children. And I remember that the first thing that you needed to write was something like an input form where you could say, okay, what's your name? 
And then in this case, and then you had like, what's your name? And then this cursor blinking. And then you say, Bob. And then, you, and then you hit enter. And then it said like, hi, Bob. And I think that was such a, I was immediately knew, oh shit, this is cool. I can do a lot with these machines. And then just a, few, a couple of years later, I'm talking two, three years later, we got the first Pentium machines, internet connection. We started to build websites. So I was still, um, I was not, not in high school yet when I, when I was working on, on building websites and those kind of things. So that's how it, how it started. And what about music? So music was, so when I was in um, high school, very early on in high school, um, you know, I just picked up an instrument. I I, started, I was playing bass guitar and, uh, you know, it turned out that I was like, you know, that I had some some talent for, uh, uh, you know, for playing bass guitar. But I think what was most more important was that I was listening to a lot of music where like, where there were like solos, like, I don't know, Red or Chili Peppers, guitar solos. And I had a teacher and the teacher said, like, hey, if that's what you're interested in, I'm going to give you a record by Miles Davis. And it was a Miles Davis record with a guitar solo, like from his later work. But you don't, didn't have like 30 seconds of guitar solo, but like six minutes of guitar solo. And I was like, that's amazing. So from that time on, I was just, you know, I was interested mostly in the, uh, in, uh, uh, well, actually, I was interested in three things only when I was growing up. There was internet, software music and girls. So those three things were my main interest. And that's, so that's, that's how they got started, yeah. So then how do you land in the US? Because I'm sure that coming here to the US really shaped uh, up a lot of things for you. Yes. So at some point, I, I, so I've studied music and I, at some point I started to figure out like, hey, everything, every cool thing that's happening gravitates to the East Coast or the West Coast in the US. That was just a, I noticed that very early on. So uh, we have this thing, I think it's a European fund or I don't know, but it's called like a Fulbright uh, grant. So I just signed up and I said like, you know, this is what I want to do. I wanted to go to Boston and I wanted to go to um, uh, uh, Berkeley College of Music. I went to Berkeley, I was like early twenties. And that changed a lot for me because what I learned at Berkeley, besides just, you know, studying there and meeting people was the... And I, it's hard for me to just explain it, but the, the, the only way for me to explain it was like, there was like, it was a big aha moment. It was like this moment of, of epiphany that was like, oh, so this is how you can do stuff as well, right? So you, you can do it like really well. You can do it like nice, like in a, in a nice way or like, a cool, but like you can do stuff really well. And that is what I learned. And from then on, I've been gravitating towards, yeah, and that mostly the East Coast and the West Coast in the, um, in the US, especially just from making stuff or doing business. Also important to bear in mind that by that time when I was living in the US, I, I was making money writing software. So it was like, uh, you know, a remote work of all the letter, right? So but the, the thing is that I, I was not interested in business yet. So I, I was making all these things in software for people and I was making my art and that kind of stuff. And I was not, the thing hadn't clicked in my mind like, oh, actually with the software, people are making a lot of money of that. I was just not, that, was, that sounds very naive, but I was like, I was just young, you know, so I could do all these things, but I was, I hadn't, I hadn't seen it yet. So when I was back in Holland and I was a little bit older, I started to figure that out. And then, you know, the whole ball of like software business started rolling, but I was like, not, that was not how it started. It was just the fun of making cool software and making music and those kind of things. So I guess for, for one thing that comes to mind is I remember Steve Jobs said that he would always prioritize um, engineers or perhaps employees that were combining 
both skill sets, no, the um, the engineering side and and then also the music uh, side of things, you know, playing an instrument or whatever that was. What do you think makes so powerful, you know, an individual when they're able to combine, you know, both skill sets? Yeah, so I don't think that has to do with, so to answer your question, I, I don't think that has to do with especially like, you know, for example, like something um, more on the artistic side, like music or something. It can also be, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, cooking or something, right? So it has to do with um, tapping into like the, the creative force, right? So you, you're making stuff. And sometimes when we go into um, uh, into into uh, into business, and this does not only go for uh, for engineering, software engineering. This can also go for I don't know, a musician playing in an orchestra, right? So it can at some point, you know, that you can um, the, the the art of creation can go away. You're just a robot repeating, you know, whatever you need to do, and then whatever the thing is that you excel at. So I think what he meant with that is like. Uh, by staying in touch with making stuff outside of the realm of how you make money, uh, you know, kept you tapping into that creative process. And that's something you can bring to work, right? So you, the, the joy of making stuff, the, um, uh, the, the joy of, 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 of the creative process is something you bring, you know, back to work. And in the end, we create value by um, yeah, making stuff, right? It doesn't, we need to make we're not we're not making it by being consultants. We don't we don't make it by uh, you know those kind of things, right? We make it by creating products and services that people love. So uh, I think that's what he meant with it. Now, in your case, you finished music, and rather than staying here, you ended up going back, but the software, you know, was still there, and uh, you ended up taking it to a whole new level, to a level where you were, like you were saying, you know, creating products, creating services, you know, with that skill set that you had, and eventually that brought you, you know, to bring your company to life with you. So uh, tell us about how the idea for the business came to life and how did you go about taking action to to bringing it to, to where it is today? Yeah, so I was working as a as a freelance software engineer and that was the time that there was like this revival of machine learning. And uh, this was around 2016, I think. Um, maybe a little bit later, 17, but some 16, 17. And um, uh, one of the things that was happening was something uh, called um, a Glove and Fastex that was open sourced. And it was where these machine learning models working with words. So today, if you, you know, read the news about like, you know, ChatGPT and those kind of things, they talk about large language models. Now, these things were kind of the opposite. They were the, the, the tiny language models, if you will. And the thing um, uh, was this, the... Um, the, if you were using those types of technologies and if you were prototyping with them, you could basically, it felt very magical. So there was this famous uh, uh, example that they still have that you took the word for, uh, for, for king and then you move to space because these things are organized in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a matter of like how, you know, in this case, words and data is placed into space. So you could say king minus men and then uh, plus women and then say, okay, what? what word sits there in space. And then the model said queen. And I remember that I saw that and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is, this is magical. This, I could immediately see like, okay, this, if this thing keeps growing, this is going to be big. And the idea that I had, um, and I was actually with my co-founder, we were debating the other week, like, you know, what the timelines were, et cetera, because as you know, sometimes you remember things a little bit differently, but the, 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 the idea was that we said the, um, or there's like, if I take a, a paragraph of text and all these individual words, 
I can also use that machine learning model to store that information. And, and you know, there's a new way of searching through, in this case, we call that vector space. And uh, that grow into an open source project first. Um, uh, and when people started to use it or started to talk about it and a little bit of, yeah, you saw the first signs of community starting to emerge. And then we thought, okay, this is the, um, the time for a company. And in the meantime, like the, the research on machine learning was just ongoing, right? And it also got better and better and better. So then I was like, hey, wait a second. There are two things to, uh, to combine here. That's the infrastructure side of the, uh, so the database that we're going to build with and the, um, and the better machine learning uh, models. But one more thing to add there as well is that also uh, my interest for business started to grow. Like, hey, wait a second, we can make stuff and we can create value and we can capture a little bit of that value if we bring that to our co happy customers, right? And that was something completely new that I started to be interested in. So now I could combine the thing that I was, the creativity, I like working with these machine learning models. Hey, this thing that's growing that might become a company, I could combine that with the interest that grew into building business. And then in 2019, we founded the business. So that is kind of the how all these things came together. And what's happening today, we often don't use the term ML, machine learning anymore. We now, nowadays talk about AI. I'm still, I'm still surprised about what's happening. It's just, it's everywhere. And, but I really guarantee is. you when we started, it wasn't. It was not the cool thing when we started. <laughs> hey guys, this episode is brought to you by .tech Domain. So I mean, obviously if you're a startup or an entrepreneur, you gotta be super careful on how you go about your presence and how you get the catchy domain. And that's why I recommend .tech Domains as the go-to place to really get your own domain. A good example here is Aurora.tech, which is an innovative brand that has the .tech domain associated to it. Aurora.tech actually works at the intersection of rigorous engineering to address one of the most challenging issues of our generation, which is transforming the way that people and goods move. It is set to launch Horizon, which is Aurora's first autonomous service that's designed to bring safety value and efficiency to carriers and fleet owners. I've actually arranged an amazing deal for all of you, and that is you can get your one-year domain for $10 or a five-year domain for $50. Just go to go.tech forward slash dealmakers, and that's again go.tech forward slash dealmakers to get your own. So I guess for the people that are uh, listening to us now, you know, to really get it, what ended up being the business model of the, of the company? How do you guys make money? So the, the technology, the core technology is still open source. So that means that it comes with a license that says as much as like, you know, you can you do whatever you want with this technology. However, if you have a problem or an issue with the technology, then that's your problem. It comes without warranty. So what we sell is basically two things. Um, we sell uh, uh, the operation of the technology. So you can use WeVate as a software as a service or at something we call hybrid SaaS. That means that we deploy it inside your virtual private cloud data privacy, uh, those kind of things. And then we have to service license agreements around that. So that's how we make money. Now, in this case, I mean, you also have raised some money. How much capital have you guys raised and, and also what has been the experience? So we have raised a little less than 70 million. So it's, uh, let's, for the sake of argument, say, let's say 70. It's a little bit less, but almost 70 million. Um, it's great. So I've been, in a in a very luxurious uh, situation that um, I only really went out to raise money once in my life, 
like really that we did like a roadshow with like a deck, etc. I raised the exact amount of zero dollars <laughs> just after we were founded. But then when the whole AI thing started to happen, it all was very organic. So I'm in a very luxurious position that I, I never have been like really like the hard, you know, hardcore raising. And but what I have been doing for those listening that might be interesting and that I might offer a suggestion is build partnerships. Figure out who the people are that you want to work with. I am blessed with an amazing set of investors, and 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 with that, you know, sometimes also comes like you know people on my board. It's just great to work with these people. I it's it just so it's like make sure that you surround yourself with amazing people, and I think that's the biggest lesson that I that I um and that I got from that. What do you mean organic? So tell us about what organic means. What does that look like? Yeah. So. I remember that we raised money for the first time. So the first time we raised money, uh, there was uh, there was we didn't do a pre-seed. We just went for seeds. It's, that's all language, by the way. You can call your round whatever you want to call it. But so we started with seed, and that was uh, uh, the amount of one point two million dollars. Well, I can tell you, when that money arrived in the bank, I couldn't believe what was happening. I was like, oh my god, somebody just wired us like one point two million dollars. And back then, I was thinking, like, how are we actually going to spend all that money, right? Because we just were a small team, and we're just doing cool stuff. And But then what started to happen was um, that the needs of the business started to grow, right? So we needed different expertise on engineering. We needed to start to have some help with solution engineering for first customers that were coming in. So all of a sudden, the team grew. And we, you know, we finally started to see like, oh, wait a second, this actually now, you know, we get to this point of, you know, quote unquote, uh, running out of the investment money. However, the reason we were running out was because usage went up. So with that came other interesting investors who said like, hey, you know, we would love to, um, uh, 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 we would love to work with you. So before we ran out, we just had this very, this is what I meant with organic moment of doing our series A. And that's also what happened with our with our Series B. It was a very um, um, so our, um, our one of our our Series B lead investor. She, she wrote a blog post about this on on the um, on the website of the of the VC firm. Uh, we we knew each other already for a year or something, and we were just chatting and just getting to know each other. And then we just had this conversation: hey, Is this the right moment to to investigate if we can help each other? So that was what I mean with with organic. And um, uh, uh, and that's you know that that approach is something that I really like because you know who the people are that you work with and your business grows and at some point you need some help and help can come in many you know shapes and forms and sometimes that 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 shape and form is 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 in the form of of, of money right so just cash and then you know you have these relationships that you can tap into that's what I mean with organic. Now in this case, I mean you're. You, you've been executing this out of the Netherlands. So what is it like? Like, how is the venture, you know, ecosystem there? And, and especially when it comes to VC and raising money. Yeah, so what's important to know, so so the, um, so so WeFit is, an, is an, um, technically it's an American company, um, uh, but the, um, I'm Dutch, right? So as a founder, you just know that's like the, that's how people how people see the uh, uh, the company, but we knew from the get go because we started, of course, we started just before COVID, so COVID had nothing to do with it. But it was a the way that we decided to structure the company was like by coincidence was helpful. We decided from the get go that we wanted to be a hundred percent remote. So um, there was no because it's technology, right? It's software. It, 
really doesn't matter if you just, you know, push software from the uh, from the moon or, you know, from some country on, on Earth. Uh, with the only differentiator is like if you talk about like with people doing relationship, right? So developer relations, sales, those kind of things, then you want to have people in specific areas. But for the rest, we just want to work with great talent, right? So currently yeah. we have people in the US and in Europe, but wherever people just, you know, bring 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 that talent from. So I've never seen this as like a Dutch or European endeavor, right? More like a if I have to if I have to give it some boundaries, I would say like Western, as in just because between the US and Europe, you know, we all talk we speak English and it's like so it's easy to connect with everybody. Uh, um, uh, um, uh, but the, I never, I just, I didn't think in the form of like, um, uh, um, you know, some kind of like, you know, borders or those kind of things. So it's more that I'm Dutch. That's just where I'm born. But for the rest, it does really matter, I think. So one question that uh, comes to mind is, you know, obviously vision. You know, when, when you were engaging, you know, those investors too, and, you know, also those employees, you know, it was all about having them, you know, take a real look at the future, compelling future that you guys are living into. Um, so I guess if you were to go to sleep tonight and you wake up in a world where the vision of the company is fully realized, the Wibiate is fully realized, what does that world look like? So specifically for this company, that means that um, uh, every organization, like 100% of the Fortune 500, 100% from all new startups, uh, uh, you know, see that, that see the, uh, the light of day, that AI, in the broad sense of the words, plays a crucial role in their business, right? So that the, that, the, that the prediction mechanisms that are at the heart of these models, that they help build better and newer businesses, not just for a subset, not for a few, but for all of them. And how are you seeing trends unfolding? Because, because things right now are moving really fast in this segment. I mean, we're talking about a segment that is growing at a rate of like 48% year over year. I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah. So I, I, have, I have an answer for that, to that. So, so ChatGPT plays a role in that, right? So, um, um, and, and that's this. So um, I always say there's a pre-ChatGPT era and a post. ChatGPT era. And what I mean with that is like in the pre-ChatGPT era, people were like, hey, this is really cool stuff, right? We can do cool things with this. Let's dabble around. Let's play around with it. Regardless of small companies, large companies, everybody was playing around, you know, super exciting. What happened after uh, the release of ChatGPT was that urgency was added to the mix. That um, uh, um, uh, organizations were like, oh boy, if this is this is starting to eat my business. Like they just released something, you know, and and the next day I can see how this can start to uh, disrupt my business, right? So, so what is added to the mix now is um, urgency. So the big difference that we start to see now was like before ChatGPT, we were looking like, okay, everybody's excited, everybody's working on it, like literally everybody. But what are the killer? What's the killer thing that people will? jump into it, and it turned out that it was the urgency of the disruption that kind of ChatGPT showed us. Because in all honesty, I mean, it's amazing work what the people are doing at OpenAI, but we already knew that this was possible. The models were already there. It was just this layer of that interface that somehow made it click in people's minds, like, oh, oh, now we see. And, and bear in mind that, so this is all text-based. The next 
other modalities, mixing modalities, right? So uh, uh, audio, images, heat maps, depth, all these things, they're coming as well. And it's going very fast. Wow. Now, imagine if I was to put you into a time machine and I bring you back in time to maybe that moment that you were now arriving back to the Netherlands and you were like now wondering like, what would you do? And and what kind of maybe business you would bring to life. Let's say you had the opportunity of have a chat of having a chat with that younger Bob and being able to give that younger Bob one piece of advice before launching a business. What would that be and why, given what you know now? So um, I think I would say tell younger Bob something like, you know, you can you can believe a little bit more in yourself. It's a um, uh, I'm still till today sometimes surprised that the people I meet on like almost a weekly basis is amazing. And it's like, why do you want to meet with me? I still need to like get used to the fact that that's happening. So I think I would go back. I mean, maybe not even to the Bob, like when he was young, but maybe even the Bob yesterday, right? That I would tell myself, you know, it's, uh, um, uh, uh, you know, just, uh, it's okay, right? So just keep going. And um, because it's, 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 it's the good type of roller coaster. And, but I'm still, Mentally, I'm still like, oh, wow. It's like, I mean, like a kid in the candy store. I'm like, oh, what's happening? And uh, so that's what I would tell myself, I think. And, and what about trusting in yourself? I guess like throughout this journey, you know, what, what have you learned from that? So I'm in a, in a, in a, um, that, oh, that's a wonderful question. So let me, let me think how to answer that. So in my own personal journey, just not me as the founder, but just me as the person, um, um, I've learned to learn, you know, to be more in the now, right? So just to be more in, in things that were ha- happening. And it can be anything, right? So that can be uh, you reaching out to me, right? So about the podcast, hey, this is great. Like in the now, I thought this is great. And then you just go with that flow. You just move with the flow. So that, that goes back to that organic flow that I said. So I very inter- I'm very interested in, in, in strategic thinking and making these kind of models. I like that. It's uh, the abstraction is a place where I like to be, but in, a, in an organic way, right? So that's also how we organize the company. So we just, last week I published a blog post, how we grown the company, how we try to stay away from hierarchy and more have like a, a cell structure where people contribute to the success of the company. It's all very organic. So being in the now, being very, very um, uh, organic. And the reason that I'm saying that is because you, you, that's something you can trust in, right? You can just trust in the now. You can trust in the market. You can trust in the people and the teams that you have, you know, that, that formed around you to become a success. So that's how I, how I would, that's how I would answer that, that question. So I, me, as the person, goes a little bit out of the equation, equation right? It's like us. And we're together with, as with the team. We're in in the now. We're moving. We we contribute to the to the the bigger whole. And um, uh, yeah, so so that I hope that that's helpful. But that's I love it. So for the people that are listening, Bob, that would love to reach out and say hi. What is the best way for them to do so? So they can do. They can find me on Twitter. They can find me on uh, LinkedIn. And uh, a first name at wevia.io uh, does wonders. Amazing. Well, hey, easy enough. Well, Bob, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been an honor to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. 
And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.